Quest, Episode 8, Indiana Jones. Welcome to Sequel Quest, the podcast that dares to imagine sequels to your favorite films and movie franchises. A journey into the realm of cinematic possibilities. With your hosts, Adam, Jeff, Justin, and Jeremy. Let the adventure begin now. Podcasts. Why did it have to be podcasts? Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Sequel Quest. A new episode, a new year. Welcome to 2016. We are ready to kick off all the excitement that's uh, in store for us in style. We are going to be covering a, a famous movie franchise, but before we get into that, there are a lot of people maybe joining us for the first time. You may have just heard about the show, The Buzz, that was building in 2015. So I just wanted to give you a quick premise as to what you can expect from the Sequel Quest experience. Each week, uh, we meet as uh, four co-hosts, movie lovers, uh, expressing our, uh, our joy over our favorite films, but then taking it one step further, we each come in with a pitch for a sequel, or in some cases a prequel, to these fantastic films. We then work together to kind of take the best bits and pieces and create one story that we feel is going to be the strongest presentation that really speaks for the characters. From there, we talk about casting. We get into the movie poster art. We talk about the score, the soundtrack. We just kind of take the film from conception to end and all for your enjoyment. So we're just really glad that you're joining us and that you get to be a part of this. Basically, we would do this on our own, but we decided, you know, let's have you in along for the ride. Well, we have been doing this on our own, really. <laughs> so if, if you're listening, congratulations, you've made our day. All right, so before we get into the show proper, let's meet our team of adventurers. Hey, I'm Jeremy. And I'm Jeff. Hello, this is Justin. And I'm Adam. And we are ready to roll. Speaking of rolling, today's movie franchise that we will be creating the next installment for is the Indiana Jones franchise. Beginning in 1981 with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Obviously, everybody knows this franchise. We don't have to get too deep into it, but it is a collaboration between George Lucas of Star Wars fame, Steven Spielberg of just about every popular movie ever uh, fame, and uh, Harrison Ford, everybody's favorite uh, adventure actor. Uh, so now, as we uh, get the, the rest of the crew on board here, let's just kind of get into our memories and our experiences with Indiana Jones. And I will just start off by saying, I don't think any of us were actually alive, when, or I should say, any of us were in the theaters when the movie, the original film, came out. Is that right? I was not. <laughs> what year did it come out? What, what was the first one? 81. Yeah, I was one. So uh, <laughs> unless I was one of those babies in the theaters everybody's telling to shut up, then probably not. Although, if you could remember that, that would be impressive. Yeah, and I, I, I was born the next year, so that didn't quite work out for me <laughs> either. Um, <laughs> you didn't make the premiere? No, I wasn't there. I'm sorry, sorry to say. I, I will just say, I'll just start off here, that my first exposure to Indiana Jones was actually pretty traumatizing. I had a buddy who lived down the street 
with an older brother named Sean who loved to terrorize us. And he was like the quintessential like 80s bully you saw on like TV shows. You know, he had like the studded leather jewelry. He had the spiky hair. He wore like ripped clothes. You know, he was just like this scary kid. And this one time I was at their house and I just remember him like kind of forcing us into their living room. He popped this tape into the, the v, VACR and I'm just like, what am I about to see? And because he just had this evil look on his face, yeah. right? And all of a sudden it pops up. It's Indiana Jones and the Temple <laughs> of Doom. And it's that moment where the guy is getting his heart ripped out. And I'm just mortified. Yeah, that's hard. Oh, I'm, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. I'm staring. I'm covering my eyes. And he's just like, he's like, what are you, a wimp? Look at it. Look at it. And I just, <laughs> just burned in my brain. And I just, and I stayed away. I stayed away from Indiana Jones. Until, you know, like two years later when The Last Crusade came out. So Last Crusade is really my Indiana Jones film. That's the one I I recognize and connect with. Um, but I don't know. Where, where do you guys fall? What was kind of your first experience with, with Indiana Jones? Actually, I have kind of a similar story where not so much being bullied by by the kid from Toy Story, apparently, but uh, <laughs> where I, my parents had recorded uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark off television. And I remember at the time, uh, you know, I was probably, I don't know, seven, eight, somewhere in there. And, and mind you, I was a pretty wimpy kid up until like now. And I remember my parents saying like, should we show this to the kids? Uh, I don't know. And I remember hearing them say that. So every like every day I would see it sitting there on the shelf, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and it was just this like constant fear of what is on that tape? I don't know. And uh, I don't remember actually watching it for a considerable amount of time. And then, of course, the only two things I remember from it are Alfred Molina getting skewered at the beginning and then the guy's face melting at the end. So that kind of, yeah, kind of like Adam, that kind of traumatized me up until Last Crusade came out. And Last Crusade is what really drew me back in. And then I went back and watched the first two and then became, yeah, uh, an avid lover of, of the films after that. All right. And Justin, where do you fall on this experience? I mean, I have a feeling we're all going to be pretty similar <laughs> in that regard. <laughs> um, I it, Yeah, uh, the last one was definitely the one that I latched onto the most. Um, Crystal Skull? How dare you? <laughs> I, no, what? he said it was crap. <laughs> Poor choice of words. No, 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 no. no. Sorry, sorry. I, I meant I, I don't count the fourth one. The fourth <laughs> oh, one. Oh, okay, just okay. Blasphemy. The rest of the internet um, is now back on board with you. Sorry, the third one, the third film, uh, is the one that I latched onto the most. And Temple of Doom, like I said, scared the crap out of me. But I watched it later on, and I was like, "This is so cool!" You know, the part where he takes the heart out of the chest. That's pretty awesome. And then the first one, I I hadn't really seen a lot, and I don't think I really watched a ton of. Um, it was kind of the one that I I liked the least, just because I didn't. That wasn't the one that I initiated in the series with. But watching it recently, I've seen it obviously before a few times. But uh, just watching it recently again, I was like, oh man, this movie is so good. Uh, there there's there's absolutely I don't think anything I would change about it. It's just fantastic. Harrison Ford's great. All of the actors are great. And speaking of, uh, Jeff brought up Alfred Molina. I remember being a huge fan of of his, I don't know, I'd say like, I'm still a fan of his, but like really uh, appreciated him maybe like 10 or 15 years ago. And then I saw the movie again and I was like, I had no idea he was even in this movie. It's like tiny part at the very beginning, but yeah, he's pretty great in it, you know, for for dying, you know, five, ten minutes in. 
and John Rise Davies, I think is his name. Oh yeah. Yeah, that guy is awesome. The professor from uh, Sliders. Yes, of course. John yeah. Rise Davies. <laughs> guy from Sliders, yeah. Treebeard. It's great. It's it's Treebeard. Yeah. Well he's totally. Gimli too. Um and yeah, I just oh, loved it. Gimli, what a throwaway character. What? Treebeard's what we went for. <laughs> we'll get to Lord of the Rings eventually. Yeah. So uh Jeremy now but, uh, let, but yeah, just Jeremy, tell us a little bit about your experience. Um I've seen the first three. I've not seen the latest one. Really? Well, the latest one came out while I was in Africa, and by the time I got that's home, okay. You don't have to exactly, and that's don't, that's what I've been told. Don't see it. Um, it wasn't received very well and wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. Now, just clarification: was that made under the Disney name, or was that before Disney acquired Lucasfilm? Kingdom of the Crystal on Skull. No, that, that, yeah, that was prior to to the buyout. Okay, the Lucasfilm buyout. Okay, yeah. But I, I will just say so. Just in, in, like when I look back at the trilogy, because obviously I have watched them all. Uh, I did commit a sin once, though. I had. Uh, I was gifted for Christmas the the box set of the Indiana Jones DVDs, okay. just the first three. This was prior to Crystal Skull coming out. And um, I actually returned it so I could get the Back yeah. to the Future trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'll take the other Spielberg related. Yeah. But, but still, but when, just go, kind of go back and to Justin's people point. shut off the podcast. <laughs> Good day. Uh-huh. No, no. But, but I've, I own them now and I, I've watched them, you know, obviously a lot. When I go back to Raiders, you know what? You know what really drew me into Raiders? The other thing is I wanted to see the movie that inspired the opening to Weird Al Yankovic's UHF. <laughs> and like yeah. I knew that like the back of my hand and then I finally went and saw the original I was like oh okay Weird Al's was funnier yeah not not that that was Hopefully. mentioned yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh, going back to Last Crusade I think what really works best because it sounds like we kind of all agreed that that is the most enjoyable entry in the series and obviously Sean Connery is a big part of that but just like that the the dichotomy of the two of them playing off each other you know both of them answering Dr. Jones yes you know and Junior or I mean and I just love the the big revelation right exactly Junior Indiana was the dog's name I love that dog (laughs) you know there's just there's so so many great lines in that film was that a Christian Bale (laughs) I love that dog. <laughs> Swear to me. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what's you know what's weird also with um, Last Crusade. I I always love that moment. You know, at the end, obviously, where he, they're having to choose the correct Grail and all of that. But they the, just the soundbite when the knight finally says, "You have chosen wisely." Because I don't know if you guys remember, but like in 1989, there was this really epic Diet Coke commercial with like this woman in her house and it turns into like the temple from the first movie where there's like all these booby traps and stuff. And then at the very end, you know, she gets a Coke out of the fridge and gives it to her husband and they drop in, they're watching it at home and they drop in the night saying, you have chosen wisely, you know, and which is great. And then like a couple, a couple years later, which is so weird, McDonald's did this promotion where it was like 1992 and you could buy all three of the films for 5.99 each when you bought like a value meal okay. which I <laughs> I, I was. It was like you're not really putting a lot of value on these films. You get them for six bucks at McDonald's on, on Betamax or VHS. No, this was VHS. You're free with your chicken McNuggets. Yeah. <laughs> Did you want fries or the Indiana Jones movie? No. I mean, that, uh, I don't know. <laughs> but that's what's so cool is like you know. Yes, we didn't get Crystal Skull till years later, and people did not appreciate it. But 
Boo. They kept the lore of Indiana Jones alive for so long between those films. It wasn't like it died oh, yeah. off. No, it's it's a pop culture staple. Like, you mention it or even attempt to dress like it, people recognize you. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, like... Yeah, what was I reading about also... today that they were going to try to go, like, the Bond route with uh, Indiana Jones and just have it just be something that somebody steps into and then generation later somebody else steps into it well like they, i would be all for it because you can just go so many places with a story like this very true they've been talking about that for about a month now where apparently they've like already auditioned like two hundred fifty thousand young aged people i it might have <laughs> been aged well what does that mean <laughs> <laughs> younger than Harrison Ford right. aged people it's like we haven't found the right baby Jones <laughs> right I'm, well it's more like they're looking somewhere in the 18 to 32 age range and right. they've at least looked at film of all of these kids or adults trying to find the correct person to kind of spearhead taking over the Indiana Jones franchise actually hold on that might have been for the young Han Solo ah, but either right. way it's yeah. this you still got to cover the same guy so who well, is the new Harrison though, Ford that's what they're looking yeah, for right it's interesting though that like like you guys were talking about about the the Indiana Jones oeuvre I guess is that they did do and I don't know if any of you guys remember it they did have a very well received tv series uh, the young, or I guess it was a miniseries, the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, oh, yeah. right. Right. which that. went over really, really well. Except for, and I have a friend of mine who is a huge big Indiana Jones nut. The thing that always drove him insane is that that entire thing was a story told by this curator of a museum who was this old man with an eye patch who you were supposed to think was Indiana Jones in his like nineties. Yeah, and my friend was like, no way he is going out in a flaming ball of fire like that's not how any indiana jones is not gonna be some crippled old man yeah he'd never survive yeah well unless he did survive and that's and he's back from the dead yeah now young indiana jones chronicles I never got into that because I think it played on the Disney Channel. And to me, it was just like the other Disney Channel show, Avonlea. I don't know if you guys remember that. It was based I on don't like, remember Green that Gables one. or something. But well, it, it well was, Avonlea was another one. Avonlea won a couple of Emmys. Like, I it know. It was incredibly well received. But, but it was, they were so old-timey and educational, especially yeah. Indiana Jones Chronicles, that it, I just like tuned out as a kid. But like, but oh. they really, like you said, you had your friend who was super into it. Like They had expanded universe books. I mean, they had... I mean, if you look like there's so many video games also that were based on the franchise that were like sequel films in video game form. So like really yeah. like I mean, I think it, Tomb it Raider died. is basically a female it's, Indian sure. film. It's essentially the female. Yeah. 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 Well, that's even what they were when they made it. Yeah. Well, and, you know, we can't we can't discount also for those of us who have enjoyed a, a visit to Disneyland. You have the oh, Temple yeah. of the Forbidden Eye oh, ride. Yes. Right. Which I so remember good. when that came out, like I, I went within the first few months and they used to give out these cards that yep. gave you like it was a key to help you, you know, decipher and uh, translate right. translate the hieroglyphics or whatever. Yeah, because you were going to well, be in line for two thing. hours. Yeah, right. It was the sad thing, especially for Adam and I, because for those of you that don't know, Adam and I worked at Disneyland. Justin almost did, but didn't didn't. Uh, he had to go back to school, so he didn't. Uh, yeah didn't make it through the the thing but but that yeah when that came out that the the sad thing was is that at Disneyland they were just trying to figure out how do we entertain people that are waiting in line and they spent so much money 
uh, creating this entire line experience. And then a couple of months later, they came out with this fast pass thing. So people get to skip the entire line. So now nobody looks at all of these millions of dollars they spent on this, you know, stuff to entertain you while you're in the queue. Which is a shame. Like they had great stuff. Like, for example, there's this one part where there's like a bamboo pole that's holding up the, the ceiling yeah. and you yeah. pull it that it feels like it's caving in on you. I mean, my favorite was always there was a well that you went by and if you pull oh, the yes, rope, yes. somebody's like, ah, ah, splash, you know, like that was great. <laughs> like just those well, interactive even, things. Even recently, like I've, well, granted, I typically go during like the holiday area, so it's a packed park. Even at in California, it's still pretty long, even on the fast passes. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those rides like like it is a full experience, and the best part is when you pull into that main room with that flaming skull cavern and stuff. Oh yeah, like because it's just it's huge. It's it, like you feel yeah. like you're on a movie set, and that's like that's a ride of all rides that really delivers like a full experience. You feel like you're Indiana Jones. I feel like I'm Indiana Jones and not just cause I'm wearing my Indiana Jones costume yeah. as we do this podcast. We'll have to post <laughs> that picture. Right now, he's doing it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I got to get into character, but we, we've been talking all about our experiences. There may be a few of you out there. I don't know who you are, but if you have not seen the films, let's get into a quick synopsis. Jeremy, why don't you hit us up with a, a, a look at the quadrilogy. All right, these are pretty quick and to the point. First up, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Archaeologist and adventurer Indiana Jones is hired by the U.S. government to find the Ark of the Covenant before the Nazis. Temple of Doom. (laughs) I told you they were quick hitters. That goes right to it. Just get to the point. Temple of Doom. After arriving in India, Indiana Jones is asked by a desperate village to find a mystical stone. He agrees and stumbles upon a secret cult plotting a terrible plan in the catacombs of an ancient palace. In the Last Crusade, when Dr. Henry Jones Sr. suddenly goes missing while pursuing the Holy Grail, eminent archaeologist Indiana Jones must follow in his father's footsteps and stop the Nazis. Nazis. Those crazy Nazis. Something you can't pull off nowadays. (laughs) And now, finally, the 2008 error, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It's my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Liar. Jeff, don't tease the people. It's his favorite to mock, okay? (laughs) No, not even that. All right, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Famed archaeologist and adventurer Dr. Henry Indiana Jones is called back into action when he becomes entangled in a Soviet plot, ooh, they went international this time, to uncover the secret behind mysterious artifacts known as the Crystal Skulls. Now, I will just say this. On Crystal Skull, we really didn't talk about it. We just talked about its reputation. I, I will admit that when I saw the film, the most memorable moment for me that I actually liked was the nuking the fridge scene. I was like, that's awesome. You hide the fridge and then it saves you from a nuclear blast. Of course, it's lead-lined. Like, to me, like, it, it was so logical. And I was like, that makes sense. And then all of a sudden I hear that everybody hates it. It's the stupidest part. I'm like, no. Well, there, there's that. And there's also the part that he was launched into the air in that thing and walks out unscathed. And survived the landing, really? Well, how many times did he fall down the waterfall, though? It was one of those things where they could have maybe pulled it off in a different era. Like, if that would have come out in the 80s, then maybe. But even still, 
there were so many levels where it was just like, okay, you survived lead-lined, okay, maybe, but then, yeah, you got flown up three miles up into the air, and then, yeah, just too much, and the fact that it's not like Harrison's terribly in shape anymore, so it's just like, he's a brittle old man, I mean, come on. <laughs> and uh, must I remind everybody of Shia LaBeouf swinging from trees with monkeys? See, that that, that I agreed he, he, with was the worst part, or people being... He just knew how to do that. Personally... I thought what's her toes, uh, uh, Kate Blanchett, uh, right? The the elf queen. I thought she uh, uh, jinx. Just putting it out there. Yeah. Very difficult. You did not appreciate her work, huh? Oh my goodness, it was. Yeah. Aww, I like Kate. <laughs> I do too. Just not. Just not then. <laughs> just not there. So now, um, the one thing I'll I'll say real quick, just following up on that expanded universe stuff, is we're getting ready to go into our pitches. I know there's probably going to be some Indiana Jones fanatics out there that are going to be listening, and I'm not calling you fanatics like you're crazy. You love the franchise. That's awesome, and we're we're glad that you're going to listen to our takes. Now, like I said, I I scoured like all the titles. There were so many books. I'm pretty sure that every one of our pitches, in some form or another has already been done in a book. But, but I, <laughs> I guarantee that, but all yeah, of you, yeah, right. <laughs> we did not look at any any existing material to, t- to create our ideas. Are, are you speaking for everyone? <laughs> Jeff, did you look at any pre-made uh, material? I was familiar with one, but I, 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 didn't, I didn't study, like, you know, I didn't take, like, a word for word or anything like that. Okay. Okay, so I'm the oddball here. I did not see the last one. Good. I was okay with the... The first three, they were great. They were an adventure to watch. I'm the chairman of the board. You need to convince me as Disney to open my pockets. Jeremy Disney. <laughs> Mr. Mouse. Please tell me you're wearing, like, Mickey mittens right, right. now. If you're or... Disney, though. I wish. I, I do feel like convincing Disney would just take the words Indiana Jones and their soul. That's about all they would need. Granted, they're... Or, or money. <laughs> They're they're kind of at a crossroads well, then, right then now. That's, that would equal. Yeah. Pretty much, it's going to come down to you need to convince me with your casting because mm. obviously the stories are going to be great. We can we can mix <laughs> <Obviously>. and mash <laughs> and well, I mean it's Indiana Jones. Like the name sells it. But oh, as we I were, talking, you were talking about, just me. <laughs> no, no. As as we were saying, like we could go the Bond route where we just throw somebody else in and they're now India Dr. Henry Indiana Jones and run with it or like completely just it'll, it'll depend on our casting really because I know Spielberg has come out and said uh, I think last month he said that uh there will not be an Indiana Jones movie made by him that doesn't involve Harrison Ford. Yeah, well what does that guy know? Well, I, I know. <laughs> hey, involve and i'm saying this with air quotes means that he's in the movie somewhere it doesn't mean he's got to be the one doing the action and flying in well i want you to know that in my pitch there's a picture of him on a table somewhere <laughs> and he died okay well let's hear it you realize on a podcast that air quotes are not quite as effective <laughs> i know that's why <laughs> so i had no, to verbalize it I verbalized it because I knew it wasn't going to come across to anyone but Adam, who is standing here with me. Yeah, yeah. So, Justin, lead us off. All right, so uh, I call mine Indiana Jones and the Tale of the Copper Scrolls. Uh, At the beginning, Indy, who is Chris Pratt. Sorry, it's always Chris Pratt. Hmm. Is this a Guardians Uh, of the Galaxy mashup? is going after a rare find, one of the crystal skulls in a remote forest in Brazil, 1952. 
Uh, in a really uh, awesome and scary temple, Indy navigates through many traps and uh, finds a skull, only to be chased out of the temple by, I don't know, say arrows, a very deep pit, and let's just say a giant boulder. When he escapes, he is thwarted by Renee Balak, who I think should be played by Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, who takes the skull. Uh, one of Balak's compatriots interrupts, saying the skull is worthless, but Balak shoes him away. Indy returns to his teaching job, but finds out from his good friend, Dr. Marcus Brody, who I think should be played by Nick Frost, that because of the recent loss of the skull and the other past artifacts to Balak, that the museum is going to stop funding his expeditions and the school is going to fire him due to his students doing so poorly. It seems like they are all in his class just because he is so dreamy. Uh, Indy goes out drinking that night alone. On TV, there are reports about the Korean War and hints about the Cold War, giving the viewers background into the history of the time. Uh, Indy is then approached by two men who work for the government. They offer him a job to investigate the recent find of the Dead Sea Scrolls, but more importantly, the Copper Scrolls, which are said to hide the location of a secret artifact, but no one has been able to decipher them. Indy knows just the person, but when he asks why the government is interested, the two men just say that there are other interested parties and that they need to get to the scrolls first. Indy travels to, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong, Qumran in Israel and looks for the person he needs, a Marion Ravenwood, who I have a few suggestions, Natalie Portman, Mila Kunis, or Imogen Poots. Uh, and I probably pronounced that last one wrong. That's yeah, uh, close. Marion Ravenwood, an old flame and the daughter of his mentor. She is said to work as a nun at the Holy Temple. Indy discovers that the Holy Temple is a bar and the employees there dress as nuns. During their rocky reunion, Marion reveals that she wanted to follow in her father's footsteps and is jealous of Indy of how his father uh, and how his father or how her father loved him so much. Also, they boned, so that makes it weird. <laughs> Indy then leaves, feeling he has made no progress, but then some unsavory characters come in and, and harass Marion. Indy comes back and saves her, discovering that it is the Russians who are also looking to decipher the scrolls. After the bar is destroyed, Marion sees her chance to chase her dream and makes a deal with Indy that if he takes her along, she will help him decipher the scrolls. Uh, Marion is able to decipher the scrolls, uh, that, uh, decipher that the scrolls tell of the secret location of the tomb of Judas Iscariot and warns that the tomb is, and the scrolls, warn that the tomb is a bringer of death. The rest of the story finds Indy and Marion racing against the Russians to find the tomb before the Russians do. Also, somewhere along the way, when they run into Balak again, uh, we got to find out that the crystal skull was, in fact, worthless. Hmm. The end. Wow. Okay, hmm. so Mr. Chairman, if you're not sold by bartending nuns, then I don't know what, do you, what you need. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so this is a full-on. This is a basically. This is a full-on reboot of of Raiders. Then with the same. Yeah. Basically, I just okay. took the story of Raiders and I moved it to Cold oh, War yeah. era and um, and added crystal skulls. Yeah. That, and added, added help crystal me skulls that are then found out to be pointless because I hate them. Yeah. So there's crystal skulls that Belloc is chasing and then Indy has scrolls that talk about Judas Iscariot's <laughs> tomb. Is that right? So the so like in the first movie, he's like going after that little little uh, idol. I don't know idol. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, I have his first thing that he's going after is a crystal skull. And like for the fans or people that also absolutely hated that movie, there's sort of like a thing in the movie where like Balak steals it 
but it finds out come to find out that the crystal skulls are worthless. I actually uh, looked it up online okay. and the crystal skulls I think from what I was reading are deemed to be basically worthless. They're worth something because they have history behind them, but that history is also fake and so they don't actually have any worth or uh, and that's just stuff that I was reading and that could all be wrong, but I thought that was kind of funny. And that that movie sucked. Um, <laughs> okay, so I, I get it. Then, so that's that's the pre-adventure. Yeah, and that's then the, the pre-adventure. Introduce Indy, and the but the real thing is going after. And all this is true. I was reading about it um, online. That not the tomb. The tomb I totally tied in from something else. Um, but there were the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Copper Scrolls um, were, um, I think, a portion of the Dead Sea Scrolls that were said to tell of treasure hidden around the world in many different locations. Hmm. Um, but I thought, hey, what if there's actually a, a, a cipher within those scrolls that tells about this other thing that is powerful that the yeah. uh, Russians would be going after uh, because of the Cold War? Yeah, that's cool. I will have to go dust off my copy of the translation of the Dead Sea Scrolls and... Uh... <laughs> revisit that you've piqued mr chairman's interest who's next uh adam give us yours all right now i will say that more than any other episode this was like going to school i had to do <laughs> research i had to look up historical facts like yeah. I was, uh, indiana jones i mean it really does have that educational aspect to it and because so much of his adventure is always wrapped up in some partial fact, you yeah. know, that they embellish on in some cases. I said, you know, I got to do that too. Um, so I was thinking about, okay, where are all the places that Indy has been and where has he not been yet? So in my scenario, um, I'm sending him to Greece. So my film is called Indiana Jones and the Trident of Poseidon. Nice. On a summer break from his professorial duties in 1940, Indiana Jones, played by Nathan Fillion, is invited to visit Greece by his friend Alex Polis, played by Miguel Ferrer, who is the curator of the National Archaeological Museum in Athens. Looking for a break from adventure, Indy is expecting a relaxing time to enjoy ancient culture, but on a visit to the Parthenon, he meets Demetra, played by Sofia Vergara, a gorgeous woman whose father was a famous archaeologist that passed on a passion for the pursuit of historical truth that seems to rival his own. Demetra reveals to Indy her father's theory that Pandora's box was more than a mythological urn, but a massive underground vault where riches of the early Greek royalty were protected by perilous booby traps. The evils, supposedly released into the world as presented by the myth, were actually three thieving brothers named Kyros, Lycos, and Euripides who managed to survive the traps and make off with Poseidon's trident and untold riches. Indy waves off the story as a fairy tale until, having heard the conversation, Alex shows Demetra and Dr. Jones ancient documents which detail the supposed location of the brothers' treasure hoards, each containing a piece of the trident. Alex could never decipher the clues of the text to get the journey started, but Demetra has a knack for it, having surpassed even her father's abilities. Reluctant, but convinced by a beautiful woman's desire to validate her father's legacy, Indy agrees to pursue the trident and deliver it to Alex for safekeeping at the museum. Heading out to find the first clue, they arrive at the coordinates to find that built above the cave of Lycos in the 14th century was the holy monastery of the great Meteoron. Now, I'm going to tell you guys, if you want to look these up, 
on on you know Google Google these locations. You know, I kind of did my work as a location scout to say these okay. would be the most cinematic areas to to film. So, <laughs> Situated nice. atop a giant rock pillar, the two hide in supply baskets, which are the only way of getting food to the monastery. Once inside, they pose as monks and find their way into catacombs where a great treasure room is revealed. They solve a puzzle which awards them the staff of the trident, and on a scroll found within is revealed their next stop, the palace of Nosos. Before they can leave, our heroes are confronted by warrior monks protecting the treasure. And after a brief battle where Demetrius shows some amazing fighting prowess that makes Indy swoon, the mouth of a giant stone carving of Medusa's head in the wall of the chamber opens, sucking out the treasure along with Indy and Demetra. The pair survive through swift whip work by Indy, who managed to guide them onto a giant golden shield, which they use to slide down the mountain face while a golden fortune reigns around them. Once below, they find Alex in a truck who has a team gathering up the riches, saying, Museums don't fund themselves, you know. On the ride to Athens, Alex explains that the chamber of Kiros, which is housed beneath the Knossos, is uh, the palace of Knossos, is said to be what the labyrinth of the Minotaur was based on, according to his research. Indy recounts that it was Poseidon himself that created the Minotaur as a punishment for King Minos, and that it should be interesting. Alex agrees to meet up with them in a seaplane along the shoreline, saying he would join them if he were still a younger man. Instead, he must stay behind with his massive bodyguard, Georgios. Upon finding their way into a hidden chamber beneath the throne room, Indy and Demetra take possession of the trident head after solving the labyrinth, which reveals that their next stop is Thera, or modern-day Santorini, where the final piece, Poseidon's Jewel, awaits in the lair of Euripides. Soon they are confronted with what they think is a minotaur, but turns out to be a whole herd of charging bull that have been trained to guard the treasure. Experiencing their own running of the bulls, the pair eventually end up being bucked from bull to bull, barely avoiding sharp horns until they are bucked off a cliff and into the water where Alex's seaplane awaits. That night in Santorini, Indy and Demetra consummate their relationship. The next morning, Alex reveals one more thing he never told Indy. It is said that once assembled, Poseidon's trident will reveal the location of the lost city of Atlantis. But Dr. Jones finds this dubious, saying, Nothing that they've experienced goes so far beyond the cleverness of humanity, and Atlantis is just a metaphor used by Plato in his writing anyway. At noon that day, they climb the Caravalati's stairs, riding mules, and find the location of the jewel designated by the ancient text. It is then that Demetra realizes that there is no actual jewel. Instead, there is a location where the trident is to be inserted into a prepared hole, which activates a mechanism that causes Santorini to sink while pulling ancient Atlantis up from the depths. Indy scoffs at the notion and inserts the staff, turning it clockwise, which causes the island to rumble and begin to sink. Indy attempts to move it back counterclockwise to stop the destruction, but is halted by Alex at gunpoint. Alex reveals that he is part of an Atlantean cult, along with Demetra's father, and that this was their ultimate goal, to see Atlantis rise again and rule with the power of the gods. It turns out that the three brothers were actually trying to keep the power out of the hands of mortal men to preserve life. There on the high point of the city, overlooking the water, Indy and Demetra are shocked at the revelation. Alex reveals that Poseidon requires only a sacrifice, and then the power will be bestowed upon him. Demetra is to be that sacrifice. Suddenly, a gang of hang-gliding Atlantean cultists arrive to kidnap Demetra by knocking her out and then pick up Alex with the trident in hand as Indy is left to fight off the brute, Georgios. 
Indy manages to pull down one of the hang glider warriors with his whip and send him rolling down the stairs, then only succeeds in defeating the hulking bodyguard with a swift kick from the mule he rode up to the top of the steps. Indy then hang glides after the kidnappers to rescue Demetra and recover the trident. An air battle ensues over the glorious rising ruins of Atlantis. The rest of the flying warriors are disabled by Indy and Demetra, who has woke up, woken up during the scuffle. As Atlantis rises, the trident begins to glow, and Alex is being drawn towards the sea by an unseen force as waves crash higher and higher into the sky, nipping at his heels. Alex grabs on Demetra's hang glider, seemingly to take her with him, but refusing to let go of the trident is sucked beneath the water, which causes the destruction of Santorini to cease, the sacrifice having been made, and the trident returned to the sea. Demetra and Indy are helping clean up the destruction of the city along the shoreline as a shimmering gold necklace floats to the surface with a strange insignia. Demetra translates it to be the official sea of Atlantis, which Indy fastens around her neck as credits roll. Yay! There you go. All right. That was awesome, dude. Yeah. Now, now, Jeff, you have to follow that up. <laughs> why do I all? Why do we let him go not last? <laughs> so now, but that was cause, well. It's usually because you go into so much detail, but that's still like a two-hour movie. Yeah, you can fit all that in there. Okay. Sure, it, it, it would I move along a lot, a lot quicker. In an Indiana Jones movie, but and right. again, because because he always moves from to location to location. Yeah. yeah, a lot of detail. Cool, excellent. Well, actually, mine then could pick up right where Adams left off, because mine is Indiana Jones and the Lost City of Atlantis. Hey! So, <laughs> we've actually, we've got should, the beginning of our trilogy. Exactly. I should point out, and then like you guys start off by saying, I know there was a, a very popular video game by the name of Indiana Jones. Uh, maybe it was actually called The Lost City of Atlantis. Mm-hmm, uh, yeah. But I never actually got to finish playing that game, so I don't know what happens. So I'm not completely... He ready. discovers Atlantis. Oh, okay. <laughs> Spoiler. So, um, well, and for me too, and I was thinking actually along the lines, which we never really clarified specifically where like, well, I guess because Justin kind of did more of a reboot, whereas Adam, I, I mean, it could be a reboot uh, because it's new casting and stuff like mm-hmm. that, but it also could be more of that James Bondian thing where right, right. it's never really clear and you have some. So for me, that's kind of what I would prefer is to do more of the James Bond thing where Unfortunately, Denholm Elliott has passed away, so we can't bring back Marcus Brody, at least in that form. But we can definitely bring back Sala. So I thought I would want an appearance of John Rhys Davies to give some continuity at some point. Um, but anyway, so for me, uh, we open up on a university. I want this to take place in current, in modern day, like today. And um, going through like the university and or whatever, you know, however the camera pans through it or whatever. And then we go into the classroom where all the students are on their laptops and their pads and they're not playing, paying terribly go- close attention. But as kind of a nod to the original movie, there is one girl who is gazing affectionately at the teacher. And as we pass up to the, prof- or to the professor, we see that the, the professor is uh, Professor Henry Jones, uh, or otherwise known as Indiana. Um, I like him being a little bit on the older side. My thought was, although I've never seen him do action, John Hamm could be our Professor Indiana Jones. And he's teaching intro to archaeology, but no one's terribly interested. So the class finishes. He heads back to his office relatively unnoticed. uh, Kind of goes in. I see his office kind of similar to, although I didn't know if he had an office in the first one, but whatever. It's kind of cluttered and everything like that, but he has like a moment of like gazing out the window, and I thought it'd be kind of cool to have like schematics maybe on his desk of like the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy Grail. Not that the camera focuses on that, but it's just kind of there for like 
you know, a throwback sort of a thing. Or for so a anyway, sequel. Well, oh, yeah. Well, uh, so anyway, so then he grabs the he grabs his bag, heads back home. We see that his house is like a, a pretty small, cramped place. It's full of books and full of like knickknacks and everything like that. Uh, he's living there by himself. He makes dinner, and um, while he's eating, he's looking up all of these books, and we see that most of them, and again, we could have like other references to other movies or stuff like that in the books, but we see that the ones that he's studying is, is Atlantis. And as he's studying, he's looking through three different books and different maps and stuff like that. He accidentally spills his drink on one of the books, which he hurries to clean up, but that ends up leading to a connection, which all of a sudden he figures out, oh my gosh, like... We've got something here. So he calls up his friend Salah and then goes to journey uh, to various different places. This is where my details start to fade away, where I'd see him kind of having to collect the clues where he'd have to go to um, uh, some places that are familiar. But ultimately, I think like I was thinking less Greece and I was thinking more of like the Middle East and maybe like Turkey or something like that, where it feels like he hasn't been as much. Um and instead of uh, um, the nemesis being the uh, the Nazis or the Russians, I figured that he runs into this billionaire who ends up being his rival. And the, but the billionaire is like a collector, where so he is hunting after artifacts just like Indiana is hunting after artifacts, but he wants them for his own private collection because he just, you know, he's a billionaire and that's what he does. And he goes and he collects those sort of things. Then the adventure would kind of continue. And, um, I would see throwing in, uh, uh, a girl in Turkey, like a Turkish lady would be nice. Get a little, you know, foreign flavor in there. And, um, that uh, that Indy already has a pre 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 existing uh, relationship with, and then she ends up kind of getting roped along into the adventure, uh, along with Indiana, as they do in fact discover uh, the city of Atlantis, uh, and the, of course you know anarchy ensues, and there's there's traps and whatnot going in there, and both Indiana and the lady, as well as the billionaire collector and his whole crew, are down there. Uh, but as they're finally like discovering it all, um, naturally one of them is going to trip over some sort of a booby trap sort of a thing that ends up destroying the entire city. Indy makes it out uh, along with the lady, but uh, the billionaire gets trapped in there and, and he dies because of his because of his his greed for for gold or, or something along. The way. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Greed for gold. Can I recommend that the Turkish foreign flavor is Sofia Vergara? <laughs> Yeah, Wait, that's the that... second vote for Sofia Vergara. Yeah, Everybody's she's not girl really of the Turkish. moment. Wait, wait, is that what's her name? Is that from, uh, Modern, from Modern Family? Family? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, uh, <laughs> I do love her. I Gal Gadot. Love her. Gal Gadot. Put her there in you we'll go. get to casting soon. <laughs> but okay, so I I just love that Turkish flavor. That that's my new that's my new uh, my new phrase. Foreign flavor. Yeah. I think I said foreign flavor. Oh, foreign just because, flavor. You know, foreign. Indie indie's tastes tend to go very monochromatic, and it's just like, come on, like, get, come on now, give him okay. some foreign flavor. Is it, is it always one of his students? <laughs> I also want that to be a Ben and Jerry's ice cream <laughs> foreign flavor. Uh, foreign flavor. Uh, so, but yeah, Jeff, I I love the idea because that was the thing that I was trying to work into my pitch, but there was already so much going on. But I love I love when Indy has a rival. Like it always like. 
you, like right. it just it just makes the most sense to have somebody in there who can kind of match him but not because they know more than him because they're richer than him and so they just have the resources he doesn't have like right. i love i love that kind of angle to it so i think that's great like that was that was a real key right. point well, and there. i know the i know the one thing that for me because and i mean maybe you guys already know this but the whole goal that lucas and spielberg always said is that they wanted each indie each Indie, indie film to be a completely independent adventure where he's going after this and he's going after this and he's going after this but then when um temple of doom came out which had nothing to do with the first movie in fact it's technically a prequel it actually right. takes place before raiders of the lost ark people weren't into it people were like oh it's too dark and creepy and we want to see nazis and we want to see bible stuff <laughs> yeah. and so that's what they went back to with, with yeah. um and then they went away from it again with Crystal Skull, and that didn't work out. So, so what well. we so what we know is Indiana Jones has to be fighting Nazis for it to be of worth. So maybe we got to right. work that into our final pitch. Which well, that's uh, the thing is that like we if can't. you don't do Nazis, <laughs> you gotta find like again. That's what they tried to do in Crystal Skull. They're like, what if instead of Nazis, what if we use commies? There you go. <laughs> and it just didn't. Because so, then today, because I even thought about it, well, who do you put today? Like the the North Koreans? Oh, it's it's they're fighting ISIS. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But at I, the I same thought about that too, and I was like, nah, no, no ISIS. Not not quite fun anymore. Yeah. Well, the yeah, risk not as fun as the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> the the risk you run when doing something like that is you age the movie instantly. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it, Nazis were just kind of the the ones you threw under the bus for so long well, that's what i'm saying they're they're the universal evil that's why i don't right. think i don't i think you could do nazis today you, like you they still could but you got to do it unless you do neo-nazis uh, but then that changes no things. no no no, 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 no. hold on a flashback movie hold on I, I it's interesting i've been listening to a lot of stuff on marvel and the reason why even in captain america the first avenger you never saw a nazi at all is because we're marketing globally. Right. So that means it's going to go into Germany also. And they have some strict laws in regards to even the swastika now, mm-hmm. where if it's involved, it's not aired. Well, but I, I feel like, you, yeah, you don't have to, you could always infer it just like in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, or not the Winter Soldier, in the first Avenger. Like he references Hitler, right? He references but, but the Fuhrer. Hydra, oh, the Fuhrer, right? There was his Hitler. So, but like you could easily do that nowadays, where it's like, especially if it was set in modern days, it could be like a descendant of a Nazi who is carrying on the tradition. You know what I'm saying? Like, but they're not, they're not resurrecting the Third Reich or anything. Yeah, it's it's no. just like, but they, but they have those ideals, and you get the essence of you know evil Nazi. Well, even even kind of, of spinning off of like even the Hydra type stuff. Go that route where you have they were part, but they're going after their own thing. Yeah, right. so they're well, separate. Yeah, I feel uh, I don't know. For and uh, again, like for me personally, even though Crystal Skull didn't do it well, and and uh, uh, where you know Crystal Skull again tried to use communists, and uh, Temple of Doom tried to use like cults, like occultist cultists. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. For me, I would like to go away from Nazis. Like I feel like people. It seems strange to say people are comfortable with Nazis, but it's like that's that became the Indiana Jones formula. Right. And it's just like it's a shame that yeah that you have to go back to that well. well. 
Let, let's let's talk about this then just to start off as we're as we're working towards our final pitch and trying to put stuff together the very first question we have to ask ourselves is is this a modern day reboot a la jeff or is this a reboot but it's still set in the you know the 30s or 40s i was just period? thinking about that adam and yeah. i really think some of the uh some of the uh, i can't think of it or some of the passion that uh, I feel about this franchise is definitely because it's set in the past. I mean, even mm-hmm. in when it came out in the eighties, it was set. Uh, I, I don't know what was the era that was in the thirties or right. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I think you, the reason that I did what I did, I said in the cold war is because now it's, you know, that's sort of like the same number of years past or not really, right. but well, just another Christmas. in the past, big villain that we can, use and i don't know if the reason crystal skull didn't work is because they were communists oh no, no i no, think no. there were I'm many many other thing. reasons right yeah in, in indiana jones films they are period pieces that's what makes them right. special but like because for example you know jeff referenced casino royale where they updated bond but bond was always a contemporary character it right. it's not like they had yeah. to set him in the 60s to make no, him bond true. so like right. so so I, but i think with indiana jones you do have to to set it in that time period. It's going to be a little history. And I think yeah. that, you know, if we were to make this in 2035, you know, you could come to the, you know, 1990s or the 2000s or whatever. But I think, I think there has to be a little history behind it yeah. um, to make it, to give it that magic. Absolutely. Well, and also it, it helps with the believability because yeah. when you set it in the past, you're automatically setting limits on yourself as to equipment, as to the the knowledge base that they had at that point in time, and that allows for people to instantly latch on and go, okay, this is what was available then. This is why he's using a flip phone at that time, or uh, sure, pull, like <laughs> totally. Yeah. Oh, Indiana no, Jones you. with a flip phone. There's an image. Throws away the whip. Just grabs his phone. Instead of shooting the guy, he grabs his phone. He just calls down a drone attack. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so so An Amazon delivery drone. Well, then along those lines, then, then I would also say, like, for me, that would be connected to that is that because, again, depending on whether we're actually it could go either way. But if we're rebooting or if we're, you know, I don't know what you would call it, James Bonding it. So it's it's, you know, the same character that we're just, you know, swapping out actors or whatever. Um, but part of. Part of all three of the all, well, all four really of the of the movies was that Indiana Jones was I don't know if I would say he's not an action hero but he he was old in the first one I mean they even have the references where he's like oh yo, I'm so sore and blah 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 so like that was my thing about Chris Pratt like sure we love Chris Pratt and everything Chris Pratt is never gonna play like oh I'm too old to do this like that's just not is that a part of it or is that we're gonna throw that I, away and we're well, gonna have I don't think that's necessary adventure. yeah you don't I, need I don't to reference as like it needs to be set in the past you know like him being old or young that's that's a choice i think that people that the creators can make and the creators being us that's what i was meaning is that if we like let's say we set it in 19 like we went pre-world war ii so we set it in 1932 
Now, if we're mm-hmm. going to continue with the same thing, that would mean Indiana Jones would have to be younger, unless we're going to throw away the entire thing and we're just going to say, no, he was actually born now in ni- you know in eighteen ninety now, so he's forty years old or whatever. Well, and, th- and those cheats are easy to do. Like if you're, you're doing a slight reboot in that way, like to me, that's why I said it like nineteen forty because he's still mature, but he's not as old as he was in the fifties, and he's he's got his experience behind him, so he's still got you know a little bit something extra to give so like to me like 1940s that right in between it's not quite you know pearl harbor hasn't been bombed we're not in the war none of that's happening but it's also you know not back when the other films were taking place so you kind of he's kind of in this in-between period and so to me like that that seems like the perfect situation now the the next i mean would we agree like does that seem like a good year 1940 like does that seem like a fair year to work with it what about building totally. off? Totally, of I just somewhere in the past. So yeah. Well, yes. what about building off what Jeremy was saying? And what if we did like 1946? So the war has just ended, and so that way they're not act like we can still have Nazis as the bad guys, but they're not Nazis anymore because the Nazis have been defeated. Okay. These are like you know remnant leftover fanatic whatever separatist sort of thing like well, hydra and it could even be like that could be what if that was like his final or his opening adventure is him like defeating the last of the nazis you know what or i'm saying like, one of them yeah one of them like like he's 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 doing something where like you know the fuhrer sent them on one last mission to recover this artifact and he saves it from the nazis but then it gets into the real adventure i think that could work because then yeah, you you like have that. your flavor your Nazi flavor, right? <laughs> but you don't. You don't have to it's, make them foreign flavor. Nazi foreign flavor, <laughs> flavor. Nazi love, loving Nazis. Again, another Ben and Jerry's. Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Nazi yeah. flavor. There we go. <laughs> so, so, but, so, I think that works though, because we just make whatever that opening adventure is, and we don't have to get Chocolate into that detail. Uh, but then, so the next thing is then, I mean, it sounds like really what we were shooting for, I mean, Jeff and I were both pushing towards Atlantis. So it kind of like, and we say it was in the video game. There was a book as well, I found out. But like, to me, like, I feel like that cinematically that hasn't happened yet. And it just seems like the most logical step because you have to pick something that the world at large understands as like an ancient mystery. Yeah. So Atlantis is kind of the next big thing. The thing that I was missing though is the the MacGuffin. You know, the thing that they're going after. Yeah. Try to the city. Like once you find the city, like okay, we found the city. Like what? Why are we looking for the city? What's there? What's the right? And and that that's what that's what I came up against too. Because I was like, okay, there has to be something they're searching for that then leads them to the city or it allows them to enter the city or whatever. Which is why I went with the whole they got to search for the pieces of the trident and yeah. assemble it, and then they can you know see Atlantis, and that's that's the big but also moment the, at the, the end. The thing I think that I was missing from your, oh sorry, no go, no, go ahead. Oh okay. Uh, the thing that I was missing from your guys is, is that was in sort of the other movies is what's the the if whatever his counterpart is or the villain is. Why are they going? What's the power that they're seeking that's behind the city or the artifact like in the, the city? Or I think that's the only I, I loved yeah. what you guys came up with, but like we're missing that one thing that like they're yeah. racing to find this thing because the villains, the, the Nazis are trying to come back to get this thing. Right. And now I, I was speeding Pandora's through. Box? But yeah. 
Well, yeah. Pa- well, I, I, it wasn't so much Pandora's box. That was like just part of the right. beginning of the theory uh, that her father had. But like, you know, Justin, and like I said, I was kind of rushing through it at the end. But what the reveal was, was that the trident actually did have power to it that came yeah. from the city. And that's actually what drew the villain down into the ocean and killed him because it was glowing. It had power. And then, and he believed that he was going to get the power of the gods if he was there ruling in Atlantis. It was that type of thing. So that that's what was going on. But I feel like we could easily combine both and put Jeff's, you know, evil billionaire character into this, probably a millionaire back then. Millionaire made you pretty wealthy in the the 40s. It's back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, but, but like having a guy like that who, and what, and to Justin's point, what is his reason? Well, I guess, you know, because we could have, you know, the guy who betrays him. Money and power. But yeah, he just, money and power. He's like, I can get these riches that were supposedly hidden by these brothers years and years ago. And now we have a way to find them because here's a girl, in my case, this Demetra character, who can decipher everything, who knows how to help us find it. And then, but then he's always somehow one step ahead. And that's what I think it should be is that the Alex character, who's the curator of the museum, who betrays him at the end, he should be in cahoots with the billionaire, but they don't know. But that's why the billionaire is always like one step ahead of them. He always seems to get there just before they do, you know? Yeah, I and see that. Thwart their, pro- you know, thwart their issue. Well, and what if the what if the 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 thing they're going for, like, yeah, what if it's not like a specific? Well, except for them, why in the world would? Well, maybe that's what maybe Indy is in it for the lost city because the lost city because really for an archaeologist atlantis would be the prize to find it it's not like there's something in we got to find atlantis to find this thing but if the billionaire like if it's the legend of the treasure of atlantis or something like that Mm -hmm. so he's in it for the money and whereas indy is in it for the uh well what if but now that i'm thinking about that what if we switch that right there what if instead of it being the millionaire is a he what if the millionaire is a she? What if Alex, the curator, is what was that supposed to be a girl? Yeah, no, that was a boy. What if that's? Yeah. Oh, well, whatever. What if that's? Or or what if it's even like the love interest ends up being like the millionaire, like not in disguise necessarily, but could we do something like that where it's yeah, like, like nobody knows who the millionaire is, and yeah. it turns out to be her. That'd be cool. That's the big switch. So so maybe she has like the thugs. She has kind of the the guy who she's hired to go and do those things. You in know, her place. In her place, right. so that it's not revealed. They always right. do. All the indie movies, they always would have the henchman, and the henchman right. was the one that would fall off the giant cliff at some point. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's what I, you know. I had a bodyguard that did that in this case, yeah. but yeah, but you have that evil guy who's like essentially like the Belloc type guy who's always keeps showing up, and he's a troublemaker. I, His face melts. Yeah. Well, I, I was trying to come up with. Um, I, I like originally I was like a South African guy. Yeah, I got to get a South African guy there because why not? New accent, sort of. But I it's didn't know pretty British, it's, actually. It's pretty close, I know. But um, and are you going right. white More South African <laughs> or exactly? Well, and yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think you need to make someone of color uh, the evil person back then. I don't Probably think that would work not very, very well. Now. Yeah, that, that doesn't go. <laughs> Um, but so the other thing that I ran into with my um, with my scenario, the one question I was always asking myself was, why is Indy essential to it? Like if you know if the girl could translate it, the other guy has the scrolls that gets them there. 
what is it that Indiana Jones brings to the table that they feel like they need him to participate? So, and no, I like Jeff's Jeff's idea. Phil, well, he's the in. foremost. He's the guy that does, he's the only guy in the world that can do something like that. You know, that's just what's. I feel like that's just what's just believed. His reputation. In the other movies, yeah, they don't even right. establish it's, that. He's the he's the impetus. He's the driving force. Because I mean, you look at Raiders of the Lost Ark. He doesn't contribute anything to Raiders of the Lost Ark other than he he knows where the stuff is. But he, I mean, Marion's the one that has the thing, and she's the one that can translate it, or I guess they take it to a person that can translate it. Now, now each time, isn't he kind of like hired out to go and do something? Or could we just use that as the angle well, that, where this, this yeah. benefactor is going to hire him out to go find this, mm-hmm. and it turns out to be... hires him. Exactly. Now, what do, do we need to give him a reason... Other than just the satisfaction of finding Atlantis, like should there be some financial trouble with the university well, or no, something you, he's going to help? You said someone? they consummate, so that is satisfaction enough for Indy. <laughs> yeah, well, except for if he gets hired. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Going a little James Bond there, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but, but, so, like, I think you, I think you need to have some sort of because there wasn't really in uh, Raiders. It kind of felt like. Oh, I didn't get the item, and I need to go and find this other thing. And then the uh, the only I mean, honestly, if I remember correctly from the movie, the reason he went is just because he has that drive to go. If right. somebody's going to hire him to do it, yeah. he's going to go and do it because right. well, he, the government did. It, yeah, they were the ones that showed up and said we want you to go do this. But I did get the feeling that it was like that just kind of gave him the, the the nudge that he needed. It wasn't yeah. like, all right, Uncle Sam, I guess I'll go. Yeah, or okay. because I'm going to make money or because yeah. something somebody's in trouble. It's like, no, I'm, I'm Indiana Jones. I'm going to go and do right. this thing. Now, could we have him like be studying this thing and potentially have a breakthrough on the breaking the code yeah. and that's why she shows up and that was in him. Jeff's wasn't it yeah so that's I, th- I think Jeff answered that so that's perfect like so he has the Nazi adventure at the beginning goes back to teaching as he always does yeah. he's doing his studying like Jeff said spills his water which then reveals you know on this map or whatever something he hadn't thought of before oh, I like that. and you know, he's drinking He's drinking something else. He's drinking like lemon juice. No, who drinks lemon juice? Lemonade? <laughs> no, he, an Arnold Palmer. No. Lemon for his Arnold tea? Palmer. Yeah, something, an iced tea. Uh, the tea. That's a good idea. So there's something in the tea that mm, brings with out. Whiskey. Yeah, I like that. And then he contacts Alex in Greece and he's like, I, I remember you had those documents, but we could never nice. figure out what. And then what it does is when they spill the tea onto it, it reveals the rest of the characters which then they can translate. Yeah, and, it reveals the cipher, essentially. Right. And of course, it's right. it's done by the water, because it's Atlantis. Yeah, exactly. That liquid is what does it. And then, so the question <laughs> is, so at what point does the uh, does the benefactor, f- f- you know, figure into this? Well, so- because Indy got a hold of Alex, Alex then alerts the benefactor. Okay. And now, there's how the triangle right. is. So now they're working through now... Now, uh, Jeff, I mean, are you are you fine with us hitting those Greek landmarks and just keeping it oh, yeah. kind of I mean, in like that part said, of the you world? Did the, you, you flew out there and <laughs> so. yeah. Now, uh, okay, now I keep getting confused now. So, okay, Alex is a man, right? Yes. A man, yes. Can we change? Does it have to be Alex? Because it messes me up every time. I mean, if, if it's just... If it's, it's, what if it's Alec? Like no no X. You just can do that. If that helps yeah, you, Alec. 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 I would make me help. It would make me feel better. He could be German. 
or because nobody can pronounce the woman's name that you made up there. Demetra. Yeah, that's also a great name. Nobody remembers that. <laughs> so Demetra sounds Russian. It does. And it's Dimitri that I'm thinking. I looked all these up on the most popular Greek <laughs> names. Okay, from what Was year? From this current modern generator. names. Yeah. Um, oh, I wouldn't doubt there is Greek name generator. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, so anyway, so then the, the benefactor that is alerted, she shows up on scene, turns out to be a beautiful woman. So Indy is also a little entranced by her. And then they go on the adventures. They mm-hmm. fight the warrior monks. I do think at some point they do have to run into bartender nuns just out of nowhere. It's just like, like it's like, it's a, it's a weird bar at one of the resort Indy towns stops they at go a, to. At a bar, yeah. of course. And so it's just a weird moment because that sure. was fantastic. <laughs> I, I appreciate the nod. You really don't Alec have to have done that at that nuns. point, or does Alec travel with them? Well, so so I think what it should be is that Alec says I can't go or something. You know, I'm I'm an old man, but I'll I'll be in communication with you to help you along the way. And he's kind of their transport in between locations, right? And he's he's coordinating secretly with the benefactor. Yeah. All, you know, all along the way. And then, so who is then the, the nemesis that, that that is now the one who keeps showing up ahead of them or getting the treasure for themselves just before they do, but they still end up with the clue that takes them to the next spot. You so know? essentially, what nationality do we want to make this basically a fake benefactor that keeps showing up that's the muscle? Yeah. Do we want him to be Swiss? Do we want him to be, I don't know. We maybe. don't want to whitewash the movie, so no. No, we, we got to give him, I don't know. Like Make him Greek. I mean, that's well, that, what you have, that could right? be great. Yeah. yeah, why not? Yeah, Giorgio or whatever. Yeah, you he could be him. Giorgios. Okay. Now, um, now, are we keeping the trident yeah. as what they're Look searching up that name for? Name generator. Then? It's probably going to end with an O L O S. Yes. <laughs> yes, I would say the MacGuffin would be the the trident. The there. trident. Okay. See, I don't know, because for me, I feel like a tr- like I don't think anybody really thinks about that as a as a a relic that anyone's heard of before. Well, it's not a real thing, right. Right, but but like the ones that worked, I mean like the, the Ark of the Covenant was a real thing and then the even the crystal skulls were technically a real thing. Well, I mean, if you want it to be Pandora's box, we can do that thing, but it's just a single item, so each location would just have to lead them to where Pandora's box is. It's, well, essentially, the, the trident's only a key. Right, that's It'd really what it is. And the only reason I brought it up is it's not historically accurate. Poseidon and Atlantis are not related stories, yeah. but most people assume they are because of the Little Mermaid. So I, in my oh. mind, like you could get away with, with connecting. <laughs> The Trident. <laughs> Not necessarily. But, no. but, but most people would probably make that assumption, is what I'm saying. I cannot wait for that part of the press junket when that comes out. <laughs> uh, you, did, you didn't think that they lived in Atlantis? No. Just an undersea mermaids. kingdom? Well, also, uh, by the way, I really wanted to work mermaids into the story. Of course you did. And maybe they could still be in oh. you know, the end of it. By the way, I'm just going to throw this out there because every episode no. you seem to learn no. something about Vito. me. <laughs> Sequel quest Vito. No. I will throw in. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, I you know I do I do love mermaids. Like the old Disneyland ride, the submarine ride, where there were those mermaids that were under the water. That was always like the craziest part to me. And when we worked there, Jeff and I, um, they they had already switched it over to the Finding Nemo ride. But those mermaids were in the back lot. And they were just like baked by the sun, and they were all just these blackened, charred, bald <laughs> corpses of fireworks. mermaids. 
Oh, it's oh, through the fireworks. You're right. Yeah. The fallout. But yeah. Then we, we did see the mermaids and they started mud wrestling and Adam just lost it. I, I, I was pretty, I passed out. <laughs> I just, I couldn't handle it. Uh, anyway. That's not true. <laughs> but yeah, Jeff, what were you saying? Something about mermaids mud wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, so, but yeah. So, I think so we will veto the mermaid idea. No mermaids. Yes. Fair enough. Oh, I do remember. I was going to say, because again, it does feel for me. And even, I think they did it in Crystal Skull. They're like one of the standards in Indiana Jones is someone falling off a ridiculously high cliff. Is there some way, since we're in the lost city of Atlantis, is there some way that they could like fall into a like an endless like abyss in the ocean? Well, I I think I film that the same way. I that or like because they could be inside. Like maybe you know because the other thing we're kind of missing is Indy usually gets trapped. He usually gets captured for a moment and has to escape. So to me, like maybe they they seal him into something and then. And drop him off a sea cliff. You know what I'm saying? And like he finds his way out of there or something. I don't know. Or it lands on the solid ground and he walks out unscathed. (laughs) As per usual. It is the tough thing that I know I've I've read and heard is that movies that take place underwater are usually painful. Like it's just very difficult to get people because everything moves so slow. Well, I, I have like an action sequence when they're in scuba gear. That, I don't that's, think that's Adam's, why I made they never it go underwater in your, yeah, yeah. none of them I went underwater. I don't think they oh, need really? to. Yeah. Like that, that's the point. So like where a, is Atlantis then? Well, Atlantis is, they, they never ocean. explore Atlantis. That's the point. Yeah. Is that we it, cut off right before they explore. Really. Yeah. It's like, it's like it's, it gets oh. almost revealed all the way. And then everything gets turned out and it gets sunk and it's gone again. But but at least Indy saw it for that moment. It's kind of like Crystal Skull, you know, the spaceship that flies away and they go to their other dimension, you know? Uh. It's like there's that moment where you, you get to see it. Holy Grail. You had the Holy Grail, then you lost it. Like, that's what happens. Those things don't... Okay get found and then shown to the world at large it's Indy saw it yeah and he knows it's true now but that's all that really matters yeah now um the only other part of this i guess is is there a role for sala can we can we put him in there well he just john rice davies just shows up for no particular reason i think honestly if we're doing a reboot if we're doing a whole new cast then it indiana jones is the only one that needs to be there i think sala can appear but it doesn't have to be i think it would be weird if it was john rice davies but not harrison ford well yeah that's true well yeah that's weird therein lies oh sorry go ahead okay therein lies our other thing is like a big thing with all these movies nowadays are kind of honorary cameos in Mm -hmm. a way where they they show up so you do see them in the movie yeah but not maybe like as as a different character yeah because i mean they've aged they've aged to a point where they're not going to be who they were i mean granted this this role with Alec would be a good Han Solo, Harrison Ford type role, like kind of morally ambiguous. But that's to say, I don't know if you want to put Harrison, because the whole time, because the character is so prominent in the film. Exactly. That was my other issue. Yeah, people will see think, him and be like, "Why isn't he right. playing the role?" You know, exactly. maybe, well, maybe he's too, maybe he's the dean at the university that's, now. That's where I was leaning, or it's something where at, after Indy's Nazi adventure, he's like the agent with the government or somebody that kind of gets Indy back to the states. So there's just kind of a passing of the torch moment type yeah. thing, yeah, uh, and yeah, then I he gets like, off to his own movie. Type I don't know. Thing. I feel like making a clean break because I yeah. know, and I've been reading a lot. Like apparently, which again, we haven't we've we've skimmed the surface 
this, but we haven't really talked fully and hopefully never will about my feelings about the Star Trek reboot. But <laughs> the one thing that I have read many people say that even even fans of the new movies did not like the second one. Uh, and because they felt, and even even J.J. Abrams said he screwed up because he made too many references to the original Wrath of Khan movie. And there were so many different things like that that he said it really took away from the film. So that would be my, like, well, that nods, and he lied. nods. Yeah. <laughs> too many get bogged down. I, well, I agree, I agree. And the thing is, it wouldn't have to be more than a 30-second cameo. I mean, just think of it kind of like a Stan Lee cameo. He's there, he's on screen, and gone. Yeah. I mean, if, if you as the chairman of the board say we need to work that That's in to get this point. green lit, then I we could find we a way. I would say we need to squeeze him in somewhere. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be determined right now. It can be a character later on down the road yeah. that while we're filming, we're like, oh, this is this is Harrison's guy. The, yeah, the King of Atlantis. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but I mean, like, would you say, I, I mean, it sounds like we pretty much have the pitch in place. Now, we really just need to talk casting. Yeah. Now, an interesting fact, Adam, you named Nathan Fillion, and Jeff, you named John Hamm. Both of them. named Chris Pratt. And then yeah. Chris Pratt has been floated around a lot. Or yeah, Justin. Okay. Chris Pratt, yeah. And then uh, Fillion and Hamm are both 44 years old. Right. So they're the exact right. same age. So you were right in the same ballpark where he's not a young buck. He's kind of experienced in this game. Mm -hmm. This would be its own standalone film. Is that something we even need to put like a date on the calendar? As to how old he is? As to, yeah, how old he is, how old, well, I mean, the movies what year always the movie's do. set. The movies always tell us when they're set. So, I mean, in, if we're keeping with that, but if it's a reboot, we don't have to. People can just make their own assumption. Yeah. Just based on kind of historical facts that are being shared. But yeah, I, I don't think that's essential. We don't have to say Indies 35. You never think about that. Except, yeah. in, except in Crystal Skull when he's saying it's not as easy as it used to be. You know, he's telling you I'm old. Uh, yeah. So give me a break. Uh, but no, I, I, don't, I don't think it's necessary to, to say, you know, to have the scroll that says 1940, because this adventure is not focused on any specific, uh, you know, action or uh, moment in history. You know, it's not a historical right. event. It's I mean, just, just the adventure. environment's already going to tell you. I mean, just the way that everybody's dressed, mm -hmm. the time period, it's just going to automatically, you're like, okay, this is the 30s or 40s, somewhere yeah. in that range. And he's a little older, but that puts it right in the wheelhouse of the right era. Yeah, and I, I just I, I don't think Chris Pratt is right for it to me because he works in, in Guardians of the Galaxy because he's quirky. He played a little bit more serious in Jurassic Park, but he still had his humor to him. Uh, but I don't see him as having the gravitas that Harrison Ford... Again, Harrison Ford always had the humor as Han Solo and all that, but I don't think Chris Pratt brings like that moment where he can throw the switch and be totally serious and the people are 100% man. behind him. Yeah, yeah, the straight man persona. What um, about Bradley Cooper? I, I, I saw some, some photo online with his head po po yeah. pasted on uh, Harrison Ford's he body. Could, I mean, clearly he could... Because I mean that's that's my that's my thought too is that not only the gravitas but also just kind of like the I feel like part of the character of Indy is just like that gritty gruffness sort of mm -hmm. where yeah he can kind of you know be I don't know if I would say whimsical but he can be like aloof I guess at certain points because some of the things he's doing is over the top and whatever uh, 
but there's just still kind of like a I don't know, like a toughness or a grittiness. Yeah, that that's why I went with Nathan Fillion. The reason being, like Bradley Cooper to me, he he always still kind of has that glint in his eye. He has that little smirk. And to me, like Nathan Fillion has he does have a sense of humor, obviously. But like you know, Firefly, and you know, obviously he has his, his own show as well. And 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 he he tends to play a tougher type of character. It's a little bit troubled that's working through whatever their issues are. And I think that's why he fits. Plus, in a certain sense, he is known. Obviously, again, he's got his yeah. own show that's been on for years and all those things. But I think he's sort of an unknown in feature films. So for him to step into the role and kind of be like, oh, okay, here's just like Daniel Craig stepping into bond okay he yeah he had work before but this is where you actually see him define himself in a way i feel Mm. like he could do it plus just for years people they wanted him to play green lantern they wanted him to play all you know like like the fans just want him to have a real good role well probably (laughs) thank you brown coats so so, I don't know. For me personally, I, I I disagree, Adam. I think it's the other way around because I mean, especially after American Sniper, is that I see Bradley Cooper able to turn that off, whereas I, I see Nathan Fillion as always having that glint in his eye. Hmm. Like all of his characters yeah. always seem to be kind of sarcastic and kind of like not taking anything seriously and just kind of like I mean, like in Firefly, he always was the guy with a snarky one-liner and stuff like that, and. And I don't know. And Adam, I mean, like, have you Bradley seen his Cooper? show? I, yeah, I've seen, I've seen a few episodes. I don't have cable or yeah, anything. Yeah, he's so. like sarcastic as all. Like he is, he's definitely that, um, I'd say more quirky than uh, okay. than Bradley Cooper and most of his And more to be recent. fair, I do get him and David Boreanaz mixed up every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was why I was thinking about John Hamm because – like one, although that's again, I I can't even imagine John Hamm doing action. But at the same time, yeah. like going in, well, I guess Harrison Ford had already done Star Star Wars and stuff like that. But Harrison Ford is not necessarily who you consider an action star outside of Indiana Jones. I mean, so it's just like who knows if John Hamm has it in them. Like he definitely has the like the ladies love him, and he's got kind of that gravelly grittiness that was eighty percent of Mad Men. I don't know, but Bradley Cooper. It's hard to argue against Bradley Cooper because he can kind of do it all at these. At okay. This point. Now I will just say this though. I I do think we need to keep someone in our back pocket in case Bradley Cooper, you know, gets a better offer. Well, that's we need true. to have the original Ski choice Ulrich. for Indiana Jones. <laughs> Diego Luna. Come on. <laughs> when you when you can't get Johnny Depp, Skeet Ulrich. No, um, I'm saying the original casting choice for Indiana Jones, Tom Selleck. Let's oh. let's give the man his shot. Oh no! And let's just keep him in the back. He could, you know, have his moment. Wait, he had more his Tom chance, Green. Man. He turned it down. Well, the, his this, his 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 contract kept him away from it. Yeah, but. he's turned down a lot of roles. One. Yeah. What was the movie he made instead that was like the same thing? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Um, uh, Quigley Down Under. Right? No, not that. He made another <laughs> one where it was it was almost it was like an Indiana Jones ripoff. Oh, really? Okay. Well, what do you think, Chairman of the Board? Uh, let's leave it down to you, Bradley Cooper or John Hamm. I would say let's go with Bradley Cooper because we'll have a longer range that he can make movies. I mean, he's 
He's at 40. You've got Chris Pratt that's 36. So you can still have him do action movies a little longer than the others. Yeah, and, and I'll accept that because then the Firefly fans are just going to get a petition signed and they'll submit it to the studio and <laughs> yeah. you'll have to cast Nathan Fillion. So <laughs> no worries. Well, I, or they'll just make their own fi- film, uh, fan film. Yeah. Where they, like, put him in. Yeah, no, we'll awesome. we'll incorporate Nathan Fillion in Marvel. We'll, we'll get him out of here. Okay. So now, what, now we're talking about, uh, now we got the Alex character. So, you know, uh, Jeremy had, you know, thrown around at one point Harrison Ford. But, you know, I, I said Miguel now, Ferrer maybe, as an evil guy. You ooh. know kind of from the beginning he's going to turn evil. Just, you know, that's his thing. Who's Miguel Ferrer again? He was, I mean, most recently he was in Iron Man 3. He was the evil vice president. But he, oh, he yeah. was in RoboCop. Yeah, he was in, he's always kind of like the jerk character. Who I thought we were going evil. for Greek. Is he Greek? Well, he, but he has, he has a darker complexion. He could play that. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I thought. Oh, you mean um, Miguel Ferrer is? Uh... Was he Salieri also in Amadeus? No, no, that's uh, no. Okay. Now, do we have to make Alec as a well, Greek? This is Alec. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're talking about was... Alec. Yeah. Alec. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I get it. Okay. Wait. I, do oh, we have you said to? Alec ends up betraying him, right? Right. right. So how yeah, would you're right? We would definitely know that from going in, but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, you you could sense it. Like the he doesn't have to be Greek. The I reason do love I Miguel Ferrer. originally he was he was being Greek because he's the curator of the National Museum in okay. in Athens. So I was gonna say was I was is he potentially I was we were talking about um, yeah the the villain henchman oh no 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 um is he potentially like an american transplant over there yeah I mean, there's, overseeing there's no the curator well, something like he that can also well he does kind of although i would like to point out even on his his uh wikipedia page miguel ferrer is an american actor and voice actor mostly known for villainous roles right that's <laughs> why i went to him i'm like he's the guy he, he could pull it off the, the other name Ooh, i was what gonna about throw the Nia Vardalis? There. who's that <laughs> my big fat greek wedding oh no <laughs> Well, that, for that, just get Joey Fatone from NSYNC in there, then. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? He could play yes. Greek, apparently. I mean, when you brought up uh, good old Tom Selleck, oh, that might be Tom a good and, role for him. Hey, Tom, get you the whitest guy in the world, but why not? Oh, he could be Lord. the curator. <laughs> That's why I was no, saying the American transplant, maybe, yeah. and no, that way for... Indy would know him. Yeah, they were they were colleagues at one point. Uh, by the way, I'm looking at a list of uh, the top ten actor American actors you didn't know are Greek. What about Hank Azaria? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, yes, I'm the curator of the museum. Oh, Billy Zane. Hi. Oh, I'm wait, Billy let's go Zane. back to Nia, the, the the big fat Greek wedding gal for for the um, Demetria, whatever oh, her really? name was going to be. Is she is she attractive enough to play? Yeah. That? Hello. <laughs> like Have she, you seen those movies? I'm not, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> well, no, but I'm just I'm just saying like she's not like not the knockout. Sequel, yeah. There's yeah, already movie. a sequel to that movie right. being made. It's on its way. Yeah. But but I guess like that's what I didn't well, understand. That's the like, whole thing. Now Sofia Vergara, obviously, everybody, she's just the the it girl of the moment. Yes, she's Latin, but I feel like she, you, people she could pl- uh, add whatever, an extra accent on there. And who would ever no. think she would be the bad guy? Like, she no. can't do any <laughs> accent other than yeah. She's the billionaire. Yeah, she's. I'm right. saying for the but billionaire you just, girl, you, you would like her more than you'd like Indy. Is the problem? Yeah. Like you just, you, there's no way. Well, so, to okay. So sorry, I'm getting off topic. So for the curator, Tom Selleck, okay. or who who are we saying is in the running? Miguel Ferrer, like Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> Do you, no, I, I agree. Like Miguel 
Ferrer it is. All right. I'll go with Miguel Ferrer. Now, for the uh, millionaire. Yes, millionaire in this case. Don't need to oversell her. Um, we did bring up Sofia Vergara and uh, Gal Gadot. Again, she's playing a Greek. She's playing Wonder Woman, (laughs) who is, in fact, basically tied to Greek mythology. So, and she's not, uh, you know, not uh, of that origin either. So, I mean, I don't... But much closer. She's Israeli. Right. So now can Gal Gadot can she pull off like I don't know I don't know that I've seen her in anything. Well, she was in the Fast and Furious movies. Yeah, she can play the flirt. And also, she's got a gravitas about her that she could play somebody who's smart. Mm -hmm. I don't think Sofia Vergara can pull that off. Uh, probably not. Yeah. And she could do the bad guy and everything? Yeah. She could do that switch? She could definitely. Yeah. Okay. Because, I mean, and, and she did play the certain roles. I mean, you know, in the Fast and Furious, they did kind of their secret agent stuff, and she had to go undercover, and she's yeah. like a girl in a bikini flirting with the evil drug lord or whatever. What about know, Ronda like, Rousey? Ronda, Ronda Rousey. Rousey. No. She's a loser now. She's out. She got uh, knocked out. She lost once, okay? <laughs> Everybody's I brought her one. up the other day to somebody, and instantly they had the same reaction, like, she's a loser now. <laughs> I shouldn't or, say like, that. She's gonna come down. No, right? she's. Calm down. I, 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 I'm crazy about her, but she's, she's no actress. She's, no, no, that was, that was a joke. No, but what about? Speaking of Fast and Furious, what if we finally gave what's her name a shot? Uh, Michelle who's Rodriguez. Who's the girl that keeps dying and coming back? Michelle Rodriguez. Those, yeah. Michelle Rodriguez. <gasps> Could what? she finally get us a starring role? Um, well, this would be a one-off, so <laughs> uh, maybe. Jeff, Jeff really likes Michelle Rodriguez. <laughs> well, I, I well, look. Come at... on, she's always like the like throw-in character Gets that you're like, off. oh yeah, she's yeah. in it. But I, I, the only thing with Michelle Rodriguez, again, she doesn't, and not that they have to, but I feel like in a lot of cases, like the indie girl has to kind of be, well, not with Karen Allen so much, but they have to kind of have the the supermodels style you feel you feel like a really elegant woman is kind of who not that who he connects with necessarily like well the character back in the be day that way, but the be... look nowadays you have to have that look to be like considered attractive enough to be in a movie you know to be a leading lady or a, a love interest i feel like you have to be kind of Was over Kate the top Capshaw really that I don't know. I she think was... for her time, well, Spielberg thought so, obviously. Well, yeah, but I don't, I don't... <laughs> but like, but like, especially the girl who played what was it, Ilsa? Was that her name in uh, in uh, Last Crusade? Why can't I remember the? Well, sure, name? but she was the blonde bombshell. But yeah. the other two, and then Karen Allen came back and did it a second time. Yeah, but um... what about uh, what's her name? Uh, well, what's this is uh, Nathalie Emmanuel from Game of Thrones and Fast Ooh. and the Furious. Who is she? She's the one that's the interpreter on Game of Thrones, uh, and apparently computer hacker Ramsey in Furious Seven. Oh, her, yeah. She seemed like a good choice. Um, she have more it? in flavor. <laughs> please keep saying that throughout the day. <laughs> that's gonna be our new no, please phrase coin on this trouble. show. Tell me, we, we, well, yeah, let's no, discuss no, the no, foreign flavor after the final pitch. No. <laughs> yeah. Do we have enough foreign flavor in this film? No. <laughs> okay. So, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not familiar with her work. The, I mean, the, the one thing I'll say for, like, somebody like Gal Gadot, obviously Warner Brothers is trusting her with a franchise now That's where true. she's getting her own film, so they must see that she has the ability to carry something. Yeah. So maybe we should right, just go with her. The film they're giving her is, you know, a superhero movie. <laughs> a so Zack I don't Snyder know joint. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you don't have to have much going on. That's true. You just have to look cool but... in slow motion. 
but okay. I'll get behind Gal. Like I'm, because I'm interested to see her what she's what she's got in in Wonder Woman. So yeah. So in in so we have our Indy, we have our Alec, we have our Demetra or whatever name you guys think is more easy to pronounce, I guess. Um, now um, the henchman is our next one. So who's kind of the the guy that's in there just mixing it up, causing Dave trouble? Dave Bautista. <laughs> I haven't Bautista. seen Spectre. I hear he's amazing. I'll have to. He's what? great. Oh, yeah. does he even say anything? I don't think he has a line. He's just great in it. He doesn't really say that much, but he's great. And in Guardians of the Galaxy, he was awesome. Because he doesn't say much. Yeah. And I mean, I guess as a henchman, you don't know. I don't know. The indie, this indie henchman has to say stuff. That's true. He has to be more clever and like kind of slippery type bad guy. Um, Like Danny Trejo. The henchman are we saying is the big dude? Now, at the same time, this henchman is also... He's, he has to fight Indy at some yeah, point. Yeah, so You're he's right. the muscle and well, maybe that could be portraying it. the bad yeah, guy. Yeah, somebody that can play right. both. Somebody that seems physically imposing, but also has kind of that clever nature about them. So they're actually it's, it's a different John type Hamm. of henchman. Yeah, Danny Danny Trejo. I'm telling you, the machete. <laughs> Danny <laughs> Trejo, just machete, just comes in, just slicing people sure. up. Cutting out their guts and then jumping out windows. So he pulls That's out the double does. machetes and then Indy <laughs> just shoots him. Yeah, there you go. There's his moment. And he falls off the cliff. Yeah. Cheech fall off the cliff. Cheech. Cheech. Everybody loves Cheech. Cheech. He's not going to hurt anybody. He's too stoned to be pilot. imposing. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm trying to think of somebody who is kind of like... Uh, well, what if, what if it was... Uh, yeah, I think he's come up in a past podcast, but uh, uh, Joe, no, not Joe. Um, yeah, who's the guy who's from uh, True Blood, Manganello? Or, uh, oh, yeah, he, like, oh, Joe Mangalangalo. Yeah, I'm just saying he's a <laughs> he's a beefcake, but he also obviously can uh, get a character, you know, out of uh, you know, can get a performance and, out of him. Yeah. So he could be someone that could kind of like fit that. into there. Plus, he again, he's got. Yeah, he does yeah, have Joe the Joe Manganin. Yeah, he could do it. I could get behind that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We are in trouble. You're gonna edit all that out. <laughs> what just edit all oh, we've got to leave some foreign flavor in there. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, please forgive us, listening audience. He's Italian, right? Mangelin. Of course. Yeah. Yes. He's got it. Yeah. See. So all right. Unlike Dave Batista. Ch- I mean, come on. Jolie. How American is that? Uh, yeah, and I don't think we've really missed any essential characters then in, in the process, unless we want to cast one of the bartender nuns or warrior monks. Bartender nuns. No. Okay. So now, what are we what are we talking about in terms? I think they of... should team up, and it should be bartending <laughs> warrior nun monks. Yes. <laughs> Or maybe the nuns, like yeah, they they take off their disguises and they're they're monks underneath. Yeah, the warrior nun monks are all clones <laughs> I, of I Lucy Lawless. Uh, let's let's jump in then, I guess, to poster art, right? So what are, what are we talking about in terms of how are we presenting this to people now? If we're talking about Atlantis, Jones is now being recast. Are we showing Bradley Cooper I mean, on the this poster? Were like the epic Star Wars kind of posters, right? For so you seriously? So uh, yeah, you're right. They always we always get the Drew Struzan yeah, painting. Yeah. yeah. So I guess it would essentially be you have Bradley Cooper looking as much like Harrison Ford as possible, <laughs> and then if we think of the the signature characters of the film that would kind of be drawn in yeah, below right. the the main figure of Indy, right? So we we have yeah, to, the city of Atlantis on the bottom, maybe. 
mm-hmm. just rising up like we see it rising from the waves. Uh, are we keeping my yeah. hang glider Atlantean cultists in there? Oh, that's that's yeah. A and I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'm actually gonna go for no hang gliding because kind of the way that Shia LaBeouf all of a sudden knew exactly. how to swing from trees, all of a sudden Indiana Jones knows how to hang glide expertly. It's, well, and it's a pretty simple concept. Just hang on and move your body side to side. <laughs> Well, I, I want a video of you doing but it. But tell them that in the 30s, man. Well, you but, saw the Rocketeer. Come on. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that the only reason I had that in there is they're at the top of a hill where you can see down onto the ocean where it's going to rise. So how do they get back and forth quickly? How do they get down there quickly? You know what I'm saying? Like that was the the real reason behind it. Because otherwise they're running down Jet steps back. or whatever. Jet back. The Rocketeer does show up. No, we we don't have to have that. Um, we, there could be another another plot point where they end up just falling through. The... Yeah, we might have to adjust that. Yeah. Um, so, but w- the other moment, Jeff, you talked about somebody falling down a hill, right? Which has to happen. I did. I did have that right where like they go through the mouth of Medusa and they're flying on a wave of gold down the hill. So that could be a very cool moment they could show there. Is like. Yeah, but I feel like that's a spoiler. I don't want to give that one away. Instead, I would kind of like, well, there's got to be some big, because like you had talked about in your pitch, Adam, about the like, the the, the bulls that were going to come and they would bounce yeah. off the different bull. Like, if, whatever that moment, because it's the same thing, like when you think about like in, uh, you know, well, Raiders of the Lost Ark has a whole bunch of them, but in Last Crusade, they have the whole battle where they're fighting against the tank and the tank is rolling. Well, and that's kind of the thing that usually ends up on the poster. So it's kind of like whatever one of those kind of iconic moments would be. If it's like, yeah, I don't know, or like some really awesome trap they're going to run into or something something Indiana Jones-ish that Indiana Jones is going to do, you know? I mean, like you said, if we were going to say hang gliding, this is where it would go, but something else that he could do. Maybe it's him like spilling water on a book. Oh, yes. So exciting. Or him teaching a class. Him at a bar uh, with a nun. There you go. Reading papers. Fantastic. I know you're saying that, that that's a giveaway, <laughs> Jeff, but at the same time, I feel like that would probably get people's attention, like having this this shower of gold and, and you know, people sliding down. Because I could be like, you know, I don't know. Like, just. Wait. So, wait. So, okay. Start, start I like right. that. Because so, I, I thought you were talking about just like when, when the bad guy dies, but you're talking about no, something no, no, else no. with. No, I'm, I'm talking about like in in the first area that they arrive, they go to the monastery that's up on up on this tower, this pillar of stone, and then what happens is the way they get out of there is there's this this giant sculpture head of Medusa inside the chamber that was the brothers' chamber, and so when they're fighting the warrior monks, eventually something gets tweaked where that mouth opens, but it opens to the outside of the of the pillar where there's nothing. So they just slide out and all the gold in the, in the room slides out with them. They go through Medusa's mouth. Then they're falling down this hill basically with all the gold coins and whatever the jewels raining around them. So like, to me, like, I feel like that is like that kind of, you know, the boulder moment or whatever, in a way, it's kind of like that, that iconic thing that's going to stick in your mind. But it's not giving away, you know, and then you do show like, you know, Atlantis rising in the background, you know, uh, kind of with that, yeah. those cool, maybe cooler colors, you know, uh, giving kind of the water effect. All I know, Indy has to be holding his whip. 
Yeah. Right. Well, because that's and that's the thing that I'm because I'm looking at the three the three main posters from the three movies. Right. Whereas the first one, you know, is him holding the whip with the ball behind him, and then the right. rest of the cast kind of outlining him. The second one is him like just his head, and then there's the guy standing in the fire right next to him, and then in the Last Crusade, it's him and Sean Connery. With you know Indy charging in a horse right coming right towards us, so at every one there's like some sort of an action piece. So like this one, if we did something like that, I guess it'd be closer to Temple of Doom. I, I don't know. I feel like I don't know. I still want Indy to be doing something, but I guess we didn't really have like a huge big crazy indie moment because it's the funny thing too and even going back to your hang gliding and your bull rush and everything like that is the fact that that is a big part of indiana jones he does do these ridiculous things where you're just kind of like but because you're into it you don't really care how ridiculous it is that he you know is running up the tire tread from a on a tank or he's dragging underneath a a a driving truck on his back or you know he's doing all these crazy things because he's indiana jones well, and maybe maybe we need to think of it from the perspective, too, of the Trident needs to be in there somewhere since that's mm. what they're that's seeking good. after, uh, you know, as part of the process. So so maybe it's a scenario. Obviously, he has his whip, but maybe so it's maybe he's got Trident in one hand and the whip in the other. Yeah. So, something like that, like where it's just kind of, you know, it, it sounds kind of goofy, but I think you could give him the right pose. Where yeah. you know it's kind of like he's just uh, just attained the trident and he's got Power the whip pose. at the ready, it's yeah. Coiled up so in he's his hand. raising it up and then he's got the whip at his side, so he's ready to go. Uh, something like that. What if that. we did like? What if we did? Because I'm kind of picturing instead of showing his full profile or his full body, like in the first poster, to just show his head, like in the second and the third one, mm-hmm. and then maybe like yeah, you could have like the whip or something like that, but then have like the trident in the background. And yeah. then maybe even have the city of it, or maybe you have the Trident in the foreground and the city of Atlantis in the background. Yeah. Now, if we wanted to go really misogynistic, we could do kind of like a Star Wars, you know, uh, original Star Wars, you know, a new hope, if you want to call it that, where with Leia around Luke's leg. But instead, <laughs> she could be around the Trident, like he's holding the Trident, and then she's kind of like curved around it type thing. So you're showing <laughs> off like the sexiness of the girl that, you know, again, you just add a little bit of that to the adventure, you know, because, again, Indiana Jones is flavor. not PC. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I just think like that could be another kind of where it, it's kind of campy, it's kind of fun, but it also, you know, it, it conveys like that she's kind of a seductress in the film is kind of how she's getting her way in addition to being, you know, the benefactor supposedly who's funding everything. What do you think about that? Totally. Okay. Sounds fine. Now, do, did we decide yeah, on a title? Like like in, in my case, I, you know, my my... You know, I work the Trident into the title, but we probably want to make it more about Atlantis than we do about the Trident. Not necessarily, because... You want that to be a surprise, you think? Yeah, because you're Hmm. chasing after the Trident. Yeah. The only problem... Atlantis was only... I mean, Jeff Jeff brought it up, is that the the Trident is not a real artifact that anybody knows about. People know about Atlantis. Because, again, it's the other part, too, with this film, is that this has to be redemption for Crystal Skull. 
Correct. And in Crystal Skull, like we told them, we're going after a Crystal Skull, and they're like, all right. And then it was just as bad as it sounded. So, like with this one, yeah, I feel like Atlantis is kind of something to draw them back. Which, by the way, it does. The video game is called Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. So, if we wanted to call it the Lost City of Atlantis or something like that, it's not. Yeah. It's not quite the same as the video. I think that works though because it fits better where you have Temple of Doom. Yeah, you know, The Last Crusade, yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then Lost know, City of the Atlantis. The Lost City of Atlantis. Good. There it is. It's right yeah. there. So I, Nailed yeah, it. I think that fits. So that's good. Now, obviously, again, we have John Williams will be back. We're just reprising his his wonderful, yeah. iconic score. As long as he's not in the grave. <laughs> He'll give it to Aww. us. Make it amazing. Uh, well, but so but that's the question, too, then. So because if we're like. If this is a full-on reboot, reboot, like, do you... Because, I mean, you think about, like, Nolan. When Nolan full-on rebooted the Batman series, like, he wasn't using uh, um, the original score, or not the original score, but the score from Danny Elfman. He, they did, you know, Hans Zimmer did his Hans Zimmerness. Uh, so do we want to just, like, bring John Williams back and do the same thing, or...? No, at the... Because we are kind of going with the James Bond route, you would want to keep some continuity, which is okay. essentially his theme song. Yeah, like the Force yeah. Awakens is gonna have the Star Wars main title song. We could we can guarantee that, you know, like yeah. it's it's just, it's just how that is we, gonna happen. We did guarantee that. Okay, <laughs> Dylan, it did you happen. Nothing did with happen. J.J. Abrams, my friends. Yeah. Well, we are talking about this two weeks after the movie has come out. That's so. True. It happened. It happened. It was in the trailer anyway, right? Yeah, so they it gave the it to us. So, but um, so the other the other part of that then is um, yeah, I I don't think that we need to change the score in any way because I mean we don't usually talk about directors necessarily for for our films. I mean we may assume that Spielberg, Spielberg will come is back, back on this. Like he, I I think I think he would he would get on board because you know he's not he's doing mostly producing these days so why not you know and he probably feels the need to redeem himself anyway right after Crystal Skull or leave Lucas out of it Lucas yeah how dare you because it's already sold to Disney right so Lucas now has no part in this particular uh, project it's just Spielberg coming back to direct. Well, but didn't you say, I thought, Jeremy, didn't you lead off by saying that he said he'd never do one without Harrison Ford? Yes. Oh, but I don't okay. think. I think a little thing called De Niro might change his mind. <laughs> right. Robert, Robert De Niro? De Niro? <laughs> <laughs> That's Jinx. who I was going to pitch for Indiana Jones, by the way. I mean, you could totally do it. I am sure the right amount of money and the right story could lure him back in. Yeah. Mm. So that's great. Okay. Now well, We've got both. Mm-hmm. We do. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think this is a, it's, it's going to be a fun film. So I, I, I would encourage everybody to go yeah, see this opening totally, day. Uh, the thing yes. about Atlantis, like that, really draws me in. I think that would draw a bunch of people in. So I think we, I think we nailed it. Yep. And I think s- it is sad. Although I guess it went without saying, but not a single one of us. It didn't even breathe a breath of suggesting Shia LaBeouf for for the next Indiana Jones. Like, Sorry, Shia. It just fell like a like a ton of bricks. Like Shia LaBeouf's career. Oh. Is it Shia? Why? Yes. What do you call him? Is it, it pronounced Shia? Yes. Shia? Shia? I don't know. <laughs> Did anybody watch his uh, his marathon of watching his own movies? I've seen clips of it. Mm. Did we talk Why? about that last episode at our round table, or was Maybe. that off off mic? It's it's we're talking about movies. I think and so I think we did. His own. It's kind of a big deal. I yeah. Guess. Now the he thought. 
is. The one thing we always we always like to throw yeah. a bone to our friends in the entertainment industry, and we talked about Sala, not briefly talking about him. So I just realized we didn't ever find the role, and we said John Rhys Davies is not coming back. Just as to cap this off, I do believe we have a perfect friend of ours who could play the new Sala, and his name is Omid Abtahi, re- recently featured oh, in the yeah, Hunger dude. Games, Mo- the Mockingjay films. Uh, he would be great. Like we know, we know. I mean, he does a lot of dramatic work mostly, but we know him as the goofball that he is, and he would be able to bring just like such life to the Sala character. <laughs> like he would be so hilarious. Why would there be a Sala? They're in Greece. Well, but Indy, Indy might have. You know, Sala like sh- because we want to cast Omid, you goof. Yeah. Uh, so he could he, he could have some communication, and Sala shows up to help him get out of a scenario. Maybe the time when he gets captured. Somehow Sala, you know, maybe he sent he sent a letter to Alec and he also told Sala about it and said, if you're able to meet me over there, I'd love to show you this or something. And then there he which, is. Although, because it is the or one thing which is for lunch interesting. At the bar. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's yeah, Sala's that's, favorite place. That's his favorite place. I have to tell you about these, my friend. That is the one thing about the Bond films, which have been interesting, is that, you know, up until what, two, three movies ago, is that the same actor was playing Q in every single one of those movies. Right. And so it was kind of like it did have a, a rollover. So if you wanted to keep some of that continuity, you know, having John Rhys Davies show up as Sala would, you know, would fit. That's but true. He, he, could play it, he could play more of a mentor role. And, and it is a reboot, so we kind of change what sala means to indy yeah that could work too no oh me <laughs> okay oh, i miss oh, me. Oh, me. might be too big at this point man i don't know that <laughs> this could i don't know that, that could be a great role for him though i mean it's I, I feel like nobody says no there's no small parts in an indiana jones <laughs> film well, can we agree to that uh, tom Selleck. yeah no. <laughs> well the crystal skull was a pretty small part <laughs> hey, even Ernie Reyes Jr. was was a great, crazy. I don't know. If, do you guys even know who I'm talking about? He was the he was the well nope. in <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two. He was Kino. He was the kid, and then he was the main character in Surf Ninjas, one of my favorite films of all times. But he played one of the the ghost warriors in that temple that they that were like they had to fight at one point in Crystal Skull. They were all like had a lot of makeup on anyway. Ernie Reyes Jr., a fantastic actor and martial artist. All right, <laughs> and, a, and a turtle apparently. Yes. Also, he played. Well, he originally played Donatello in the costume yes. in the first Ninja Turtles film, and then they put him on screen in the second one, which is pretty great. That's a promotion. That's great yes. work. Okay. Uh, yeah. Any any last facts or anything else we want to throw at this film? Indiana Jones rules. Adam, where did you get your yeah. outfit, by the way? Uh, my closet. So I just, I got excited <laughs> about today and I was like, wait, I have a slightly <laughs> off color button down shirt. Is that a store in your area or? Well, no, like, yeah. And, and again, go check on the website. We'll have this up in the fan art section. But so I, I, I grabbed a hat last More Halloween. More of a cosplay. Yeah. Uh, last Halloween, I grabbed my brown fedora. Then I had, you know, I had my dark tan pants. I had my, my off white eggshell, whatever you want to call it button-down shirt, and then what I was missing, this is what I was telling myself, I said, where is my strap? Because Indy always has that strap for his, like, satchel thing yeah. that runs across. And so I'm searching around, like, I asked my wife, you don't have a purse or something I can borrow? And then I find this thing, and it is, it's my wife's little 
this little belt. It's supposed to go around a dress or something. <laughs> but it was perfect. It worked so well. And then I have my leather jacket. I'm You're like, adorable. Yeah, that I do what bad. I do. He he found it all in his recording studio. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Otherwise known as his closet. All right. Do, do you have a Do you have a whip, Adam? Well, the, my my whip is my microphone cord because that's my weapon of choice. So, ah, are we having yes. any snakes in this? Oh, snakes! Are there snakes in Greece? Yeah, I think well, there's there are snakes serpents. In any of the other movies? Well, Medusa's head. Yeah, Maybe that snake. could just be a little in-joke okay. moment where there's like a Medusa's head in that carving, and then he sees the yeah. snakes. He gets freaked out. Like and he turns around and ah, you know the gotcha. Snakes. Yeah. Tells Dimitra all about it. Um, so we would be aiming for more than likely a PG-13 rating on this. Well, that's the thing I forgot to bring up, and that is the the big piece of Indiana Jones trivia, right? And that's that where I was temple, heading with this. Yeah, Temple of Doom, right? The whole reason that there's a PG-13 rating. Well, that and Gremlins, because uh, I mean, people were caught off guard right? and the yeah. uh, parents were upset. So they're like, you got to <laughs> give us a heads up here, Spielberg. You are just causing trouble. So go into detail here, because okay. you didn't. So for, pe- so for people who don't know, back in the day, in the early 80s, there were there was the G rating, there was the PG rating for parental guidance, then there was R. There was nothing in between. And what happened was, so Gremlins came out, and it was promoted, like, yes, there was like kind of a creepy Gremlin later on the on the VHS cover, but I believe the earlier posters were more focusing on Gizmo, this cute little mogwai. The, the Furby style. Right. So so a lot of parents were taking their kids to see Gremlins and <laughs> They were just terrified. They were having their Temple of Doom moment, right? They're just like, ah, you know, and so and people, you know, gremlins exploding in microwaves, you know, gremlins, <laughs> anyway, threatening people with knives. So, so it was just one of those things where that, that was kind of like a warning bell. And it then, was a culture shock yeah, in reality. People could, people realize, wow, we do need a heads up. And then Temple of Doom came out. And they realized, okay, this is much darker than what you did before. And but people know the Spielberg name, and kids love Spielberg films. Yeah. So we're gonna have to tell parents though, this is the new rating that lets you know if they're under thirteen, it's gonna be scary for them. It's gonna be inappropriate. Now, was it just the scariness, or wasn't it the guy that gets sucked through the airplane propeller? Well, that that was the first one. That's, That's in Raiders. One, yeah. Okay, but but what it actually was, I believe the. The thing that they've said, they've cited, is there's that moment where Indy gets possessed and he's slapping short round. Like, oh, and that, so it's like this okay. kind of, yeah, the oh, abuse yeah. of a child. Abuse, gotcha. Yeah, it was like totally very shocking. That. Yeah, that was, so that's one of those things where you're just like, oh, you know, never fly today, you know? So, so yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah, we're going for PG 13 just so we could have a little bit of uh, intense activity. I mean, even Last Crusade had a guy get beheaded. You know, yeah. so so PG thirteen is just yeah. what you got to do to get respect nowadays. So yeah. before we land, though, I just got to throw it out since you brought it up. Short round, culturally inappropriate or not? <laughs> wow, open up that Born can of worms. Is that what it was? <laughs> wow. And with that cue, <laughs> I, I would just say that I think short round's fine, only because okay, open the movie in Ch- in China, Shanghai. He's having his adventure, and he was not. Um, to me, Short Round was a very capable character, and he he was he may have had the, how he spoke, but that's how the 
the actor actually speaks. That, that was how the kid spoke, even in Goonies, right? So he just spoke the same way. And they never played up to say, oh, he's a you know, stupid Chinese kid or something. Like, he just, he just happened to be a Chinese character. And short round isn't a racial slur as far as I can tell. I don't know what that was supposed to mean even. Unless, yeah, I don't. I don't. More, well, it's the other part, too, where it's like, it's short more that Goonies was maybe <laughs> just as guilty where they wanted him to because i don't know if you ever like interview him in person if he actually talks that way i don't know well i'm sure he's older now he probably doesn't but we can go back and listen to the goonies commentary he's on there Um, does he talk that way i from what i recall he still has a slight accent but it's not as heavy okay but i'm sure i'm sure he played it up in the film does actually say let's definitely have an episode about race (laughs) (laughs) we've skirted that line today yeah but, no, but, I, but the other thing about Goonies, just to you know, clear Richard Donner and Chris Columbus, who wrote it, I don't like they never played him again. Him being Asian did not matter. Like he was, he was the gadget kid, and you could say that maybe had to do with like the the idea of Japanese culture at the time. And even though he wasn't Japanese, but like the people were thinking, you know, Asian people like gadgets and things. No, but, but that's looking back on it through the perspective right. of now 20, 30, yeah. almost 40 years like, later. I don't believe the character was written to be an Asian actor. I think they just hired him because Spielberg liked him in Temple of Doom. I'm almost certain I recall that being the case. So, so like, yeah, so his parents and all, they definitely played it up. Yeah. After know. the fact, I mean, I did, know. I did think, and again, it's, it's difficult because here we are, you know, kind of a bunch of white guys talking about this. So, you know, we have one side of perspective on it. But it was like from one perspective, one, one thing that I thought was so fascinating is here he is and his contact, his confidant is this like little kid. Like that was pretty cool regardless of, you know, his ethnicity. Right. Um, and I, I hope that was what we were supposed to focus on. But I know a lot of blogs and commentators will put that as one of the most, you know, offensive stereotypical characters to be on film in the past 50 years or whatever. Really? So, but again, huh. that's our cultural PC-ness yeah. of now and today that's looking back and trying to be judgmental on movies in the past. It doesn't fly. The culture was different at that time. The sensitivity wasn't set as high as it is today. Yeah, and, and again, I think if you if you realistically look at the characterization, it doesn't point to race in any way. He just happens to be an Asian character. But outside of that, that doesn't define how he behaves. It doesn't define his intellect. It doesn't, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, he's still just a spunky kid who is, you know, going to help Dr. Jones. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Obviously, we had a lot of fun. We hope you did too. Uh, many more adventures in 2016. This is only the beginning. So get involved. Visit the website, uh, sequelquestpod.com, so you can check out what our next show is going to be. Go ahead and check out our final pitch in written form. Have some fan art, like I said, to see me in my Indiana Jones costume. Have a little fun there. But we'd love to see what you have. Put together a poster based on our ideas or your own. Uh, if you want to put together a video, even better. We'd love to see you acting out some of our crazy ideas. Um, but with that, uh, we're going we're gonna to leave you. Until next time, see you, Jeremy. Bye-bye, Jeff. Later, Justin. <laughs> and Adam, yeah. <laughs> we thank you for joining us for this episode of Sequel Quest P.O.D. We hope you'll return next time when we discuss another film that never was. 
For more made-up movie fun, visit SequelQuestPod.com to see the schedule of films to be discussed in upcoming episodes, fan art submissions, and more. Follow us on Twitter at SQPod and share your ideas on our Facebook page. The films and characters discussed on Sequel Quest POD are the property of their respective studios and license holders. No copyright infringement is intended. Fantastic. I thought What's Her Toes, uh, uh, Kate Blanchett, uh, Jinx, just putting it out there. Very difficult. Fantastic. So, Justin, oh, I I just mashed both your names up. Justin. We'll talk at the same time. Go. You do that already. Justin, go. Add Juffin. All right, lead us off. Oh, me. Wait, me, not Jeff. Me, not Jeff. Yay. Yes. Okay, ready? No time for love, Dr. Jones. See you, Jeremy. Bye-bye, Jeff. Later, Justin. <laughs> and Adam. Yeah. <laughs> See you next time, so Indiana Jones. That. What was that phrase? <laughs> I think actually, uh, I, I think it. Jeremy Jeremy might need another uh, take of that. If you could just <laughs> no, no, we're leaving it. That's the <laughs> final take. We get Is that good. All right. Losing it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, goodness. <laughs> Fantastic.